CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 1 Central Europe What does it mean today with Dr. Erhard Busek Welcome to the first episode of the IDM podcast show, CEE, Central Europe Explained. I'm Sebastian Schäffer, Managing Director at the Institute for the Danube Region in Central Europe. I'm here today with Dr. Erhard Busek, former Austrian Vice Chancellor, Chairman of IDM, and, amongst others, author of the book, Middle Europa Revisited. Together, we will be discussing about Central Europe. What does it mean today? Focusing on different existing approaches towards Central Europe, we will define what actually Central Europe is. From this territorial point of view, we will try to understand the ever-changing geographical expression Central Europe. So Erhard, together with Ambassador Emil Briggs, you recently published Middle Europa Revisited. In this book, you expose the need of new ways of thinking Central Europe today, other than either a great European success story or a fragmented and marginalized region. To begin with, Could you tell us more about those diversions? I think uh, Emil Briggs and I wrote two books about uh, Central Europe. The first one uh, appeared before the downfall of the Iron Curtain and had a great importance because we tried to line up uh, that uh, Central Europe will get more importance. Or if it would happen, which happened after three years, after we published this book, If it would happen that the Iron Curtain is falling down, we would get back Central Europe. Because uh, the Iron Curtain had the immediate consequence uh, from the beginning that the connections, which were traditionally very strong in Central Europe, were finished. Uh, I think uh, the changes of the map, out of political reasons and by the two world wars uh, which we had in the last century, Uh, had uh, immediate consequences for being together or being not together, uh, being lined up in different camps and so on and so on. And out of this, uh, out of a cooperation with a lot of variety, because the characteristics of Central Europe is that uh, in these states are living uh, a lot of peoples with different languages, uh, some different cultural developments and so on and so on but also a lot of historical connections uh, and a common fate because uh, the two world wars uh, were happening in Central Europe. What was de destroyed was really horrible, uh, but I think the activity of the Central Europeans to regain possibilities for life uh, was always very great. Uh, and especially, I think, concerning culture, it had a great importance And a lot of things uh, which are now important for Europe and even partly for the whole world uh, were created in Central Europe. We're coming up out of this out of this mixture. And that's very important for the current time. Central Europe was always a pro product uh, of migration. I think uh, traditionally, and we in Austria and in Vienna, we know it, uh, I think a lot of uh, peoples passed by Uh, I don't want to go back uh, for millenniums, but if you are looking uh, to the changes uh, by the downfall of the Roman Empire, I think a lot of migration was created in this time. And uh, all they went through this area, 
the Huns uh, and uh, the Visigoths uh, and uh, a lot of Slavic uh, peoples uh, later. Uh, and this created a very creative mixture. It created also a lot of difficulties and tensions, without any doubt, but it created also productive competition uh, out of this. And that was the reason why we wrote the two books. The first one, to line out if the Iron Curtain will fall down, fall down, which we were hoping in this time, with some success, I may say, uh, I think it would be a great chance for Europe. Because our standing of Europe uh, is always very much limited. I think uh, hopefully it's changing, but for a longer time we were understanding Europe as European Union. And that is not true. I'm a fan of the European Union, uh, but here it's quite necessary to know that Europe is a lot bigger. And here, uh, Central Europe uh, is a connection. Through Central Europe you can connect the different parts uh, which were here existing. So far it was always a battle which was happening in Central Europe, either of a better cooperation or for more conflicts. And that's for sure going on even in our years in the 21st century. Thank you very much. So uh, with these various meanings that Central Europe um, has, which one would you say should we follow today? I think uh, it has to be understood uh, if the European Union shall be a success story, Uh, which was started as a success story, but now is in a lot of difficulties, it is necessary to strengthen Central Europe. What means strengthen? To strengthen in economic and social uh, affairs, without any doubt, uh, because uh, I think the income differences in this area are still very big. It's improving, uh, but we are not uh, yet in the end. But this is not the most important. The most important is to create a more mutual understanding. I think what we have to analyze in the current situation, uh, the better understanding of the others, of our neighbors, is not too much existing. Uh, a lot of prejudices are existing. We are against them. They are bringing a lot of dangers and so on and so on. And also uh, what was sometimes a strategy also in Austria, we have to build up fences We have to close the Balkan route. The Balkan is for sure the weak part of Europe now, uh, and weak part because it's neighboring to Central Europe, or is even a part of Central Europe, if they're looking to Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, and so on and so on. Uh, and so far, it's extremely important to, to do something that we are understanding the other. And that means not only understanding, it means also to create kinds of cooperation. Understanding means that we have to know the history of the others, because out of uh, history, a lot of misunderstandings are existing. Uh, I spoke about prejudges existing. This is coming out of a different perception of history. Uh, I think we are convinced uh, that, for example, I say it for Austria, that the Serbs are nasty people. Uh, for sure, the Serbs are also convinced uh, that we might be nasty people, and so on and so on. It's only one example here for sure existing. Uh, and also the different understandings about history. Who is responsible for what? Uh, let's say together, we Central Europeans are totally together responsible what uh, of nonsense has happened uh, here in this region. And we have also a responsibility to other parts of Europe as the other parts also 
have a responsibility for us. I think that's not yet developed. Here's more to do. And I think it's now undercover by globalization because everybody's saying, ah, why shall I look to 100, 200, or 500 kilometers uh, here from me? Uh, the globalization challenge is existing. No, I think we can uh, handle globalization only uh, if we are able to handle our central European difficulties. And we have to be very careful. Uh, in the current situation, a lot of powers from outside are coming to Central Europe. Uh, to mention it, the Chinese are very much present. I think the owners of the ports uh, of Pires in Greece, uh, I think uh, they are trying to improve the railway system uh, from Athens uh, to Belgrade, uh, Budapest, uh, and so on and so on. It's also the interest of the Russians, uh, I think, uh, to build more connections here. It's not only the Silk Road, but it's the general development. And the Americans were very strong here also, after the Second World War, uh, even also with some interest. Do not forget, uh, for example, the existence of Kosovo was a result of political influence of the Americans here. For the moment it's less. But for sure, it is existent. So far, even this Central Europe has a global importance as an example. Are we able to live together? Are we able to develop strategy to handle the problems? Uh, or are we failing in this direction? And if Central Europe is failing, whole Europe is failing. And you have mentioned that uh, we have uh, countries that are part of the European Union in Central Europe, but we have other countries that are not yet part of the European Union. When we look back um, this year, 25 years of the accession of Austria to the European Union, since 2004, a lot of the Central European states are member of the European Union. Can you tell us a bit more what changed in these times and how it relates to current challenges that we are facing on the continent? The most tremendous change is uh, by the entrance of Austria to the European Union, happened in connection with the downfall of the Iron Curtain, I have to repeat it, especially in economy. I think the economic connections in this area are really big, and if we are living quite well as Austrians and having, a, until now, a good income, this is a result of the business investments in Central Europe, East Europe, uh, and Southeast Europe. We earned a lot of money by this. I think we never did the real consequences out of this, that out of this earning of money, you have also a lot of obligations, and you have to do something for the neighbors. I think that's one of the big mistakes. Another one is a real European responsibility. I spoke about mutual understanding by understanding of history. I'll give you one example because I was involved in this. Uh, we developed a joint history book project because uh, the political arguments against the others are always coming out of history. So far, we have to know the history of the other and have to understand it. We created uh, with a center which was based in Thessaloniki in Greece six uh, thick books. What did we do there? Not writing a common history. We tried to confront a different understanding of history in the different countries. I think so that you can read 
Yeah, in this case, uh, concerning the wars with the Ottoman Empire, for example, others have another understanding, we have this understanding, that we are learning out of this. Here I'm a little bit critical uh, to the European Union. We had to finish this project uh, because we were very good on the way uh, to make seminars for the teachers in secondary schools and so on and so on, that they are able to teach it in the right way. Uh, but from a certain moment on, the European Commission said we have no money anymore and uh, we didn't find anybody else uh, who is able to pay. I think in every moment we can continue this project and I think it is for sure also necessary. There's one example uh, in, in the history after 1945. This is a better understanding between French and Germany. Uh, between the French and the Germans, I think it has for sure improved. Uh, and I think it is a basis until now for the common understanding in the European Union. But uh, I think uh, to build up a common Europe cannot only be based on the understa mutual understanding uh, of France and Germany. I think it has to be a common understanding. We are going a little bit in the uh, other direction uh, by the Brexit. That the British are leaving, I think, is a setback for this common understanding. And I think it is a huge mistake for the Brits, but also for the, Euro for the Europeans. So when we talk about the necessity for cooperation in Central Europe, but also in the European Union as a whole, um, we inevitably will be touching the Visegrad Four, And the format um, of cooperation that is perceived sometimes on a European level as, as very challenging and um, not very productive, especially when we look at the new multi-financial framework and the um, next generation EU budget for the recovery plan um, after the uh, corona pandemic. So um, within EU integration, is the Visegrad group an obstacle or is it actually something that can foster the importance of the region and also uh, bring Central Europe a bit more into the center of the European Union so that it's not only German and, and French cooperation that is dominating further integration? You have to give a clear answer. I think uh, this cooperation of the Visegrad group is good for Europe. I think we need more regional cooperations. I think not only here in Central Europe by the four, but also in other directions. I think we need more cooperation uh, in the Mediterranean area, for example. We have a very good cooperation of the Baltic states uh, with the Scandinavians, which is, I think, extremely helpful. And so on and so on. I think that's for sure necessary because you cannot have only one big cooperation like for whole Europe. You need also pieces. Uh, you need also uh, some areas where more connections existing and where local and regional problems are solved. So far, it's extremely good. I'm a little bit critical who is uh, connected with the Visegrad group. Uh, it is until now... Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, uh, Hungary, and uh, Poland. I think it should be more. There's a proposal that Slovenia and Austria shall be also a part. Maybe it's also not enough. Uh, I think concerning this regional cooperation, I would go in the direction to say we need regional cooperations on different fields. In economy, 
uh, especially in traffic and transport uh, here, uh, and so on and so on. I think we have to look for fields. We need, uh, for example, corporations also on energy. Uh, I think to overcome under ecological aspects uh, the current energy situation and the difficulties which we have by coal and also I have to say directly by atomic energy, uh, I think uh, is challenging for a better regional cooperation. I think to give you one primitive example, I think uh, for the moment electricity is going uh, from our central European area northwards, along uh, the Baltic Sea uh, and the North Sea, uh, a lot of uh, wind energy and energy coming from the sea was created. The electricity from there has to go in the other direction, but for the moment it's not really possible. I think here there's a classical example where we need a strictly based uh, regional cooperation under European auspices or even, I may say, under global auspices. And so far, it's uh, necessary not to have big conferences where we are saying we like each other and then nothing is happening. I think we need the definition of the fields, where we need regional cooperation and what can be solved in this way. For Central Europe, I'll give you one example, that the River Danube. The River Danube is always the second longest river in Europe. The longest one is the Volga, but there's a big difference between the two. Volga is going to an area where only Russians are living. Danube is going through an area where 14 states are connected. 14, one, four. I think this is an extremely challenge because here you need a better mutual understanding that you can settle the problems. And it can be an excellent transport way because ecologically, I think water transport is the best solution. But we need common solutions. So far, because we have uh, parts of the River Danube uh, where the level of the water is extremely low, uh, so shipping is not really possible. I think we have huge differences uh, in the western part by Germany uh, and by Austria. I think uh, the transport possibilities are better developed. I think if you are going on from Hungary, even then to Romania and so on and so on, and arriving in the Black Sea, it's not yet developed. That can be only settled in common cooperation. I think there is no Austrian Danube, Hungarian Danube, Romanian Danube, Croatian Danube, Serbian Danube. I think the Danube is a common river uh, which has to be settled in, in a close cooperation and is creating a lot of chances. So far, the cooperation along the river Danube uh, is an example. Might it be happen or uh, will it not happen? We have an activity based by the European Union, Danube Regional Cooperation, but I think uh, it's going too slow and too slow and too slow. And it is not always a question of money. I think the money is existing. It is a question of the will, of uh, fantasy. Sometimes we have to invent a lot that we are able to settle the things with, uh, as problems which are existing. But may I say, even by the ecological dimension of our time, uh, the River Danube is an outstanding example where we can improve. So far, the Danube is uh, the key challenge uh, for Central Europe in the current situation. Erhard, thank you very much. I think we have the perfect basis for the next episodes to come in our 
um, new series CEE Central Europe explained. And uh, you have mentioned a lot of topics that we will be picking up in our following episodes. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, we are looking forward to the third book that you can write on uh, Central Europe. And hopefully the challenges that you have described will then be overcome um, as they have been after the first one. But if we are arriving at the third book, we need a lot of success stories. So far, uh, by this activity, I think it is a challenge for the Central Europeans to do more as they did until now. Thank you very much. This was the first episode, What is Central Europe Today? And we are looking forward to the next episodes of Central Europe Explained, CEE, powered by Astagru. IDM Podcast. Institute für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional Actions. Cooperation and Expertise since 1953.